0: Welcome to day two of our daily drive time devotions through the book of Romans chapter nine. We looked yesterday at the beginning of this chapter of the Bible that some have called the most difficult chapter in all the Bible to understand. It's difficult to understand because our logic can't get around everything that's in here. But as I said yesterday, it's also, I think, honoring to us that God would share with us these truths, truths that we can trust even though we can't totally logically understand. Why can't we logically understand them? Because they're too great for our minds. It's not that they're illogical. It's because they're too great. They're too big for us. They can be understood and seen in the mind of God. And God trusts us by saying, here's who I am and here is how I work. Yesterday, we took a look together at God's word and the fact that we can rely on it because God is faithful. There's another question that Paul asks in these difficult questions in Romans chapter 9. Beginning in verse 14, going through verse 18, he asked the question, is God God unjust? And this is not so much about God's word as it focuses on God's character. What kind of a God is this? In this chapter, there are a lot of tough questions and the solid answer is always, I can trust God. We're gonna take a look at the fact that we can trust God's word, God's character, God's will, God's ways, all of those things we can trust as we walk through these chapters. You will never understand everything about God, but you can trust everything about God. How can I trust what I don't understand? Well, you do it all the time. You probably don't totally understand electricity. Even electrical engineers don't totally understand electricity. Most of us understand very little about electricity, and yet we trust it all the time to turn the light on and to work and to not electrocute us when we touch that little switch. You probably don't understand everything about your car, and yet you trust it to start every morning when you turn the key. If you happen to be driving on the freeway right now, you probably don't know a lot about the drivers that are around you on the freeway, yet you are trusting them not to swerve into you, not to crash into your car. Maybe false trust, but you're trusting them not to crash into you. You get on an elevator. You don't know how an elevator works, yet you trust it to take you to the 53rd floor. We trust things that we don't understand all of the time. And honestly, most of our problems with not trusting God are not with what we don't understand, but what what we do understand. We do understand that if we're going to trust God, our lives will change, and that can make it difficult to trust, because we we tend to get comfortable with where we are, and so it's hard to trust. We can't say, you know, the reason I don't trust is I am unwilling to change, and so we make up other reasons. I've done this. I've talked to many people who have done this who are able to be intellectually honest with themselves. We find other excuses, other reasons to say we don't trust God. And in chapter nine, there are some of those reasons that people say they don't trust God. And Paul, in essence, is saying, okay, let's deal with those other reasons. Because for a few people, they are the real reason that they have a hard time trusting. And because for the majority of us, we need to get past these excuses, get them out of the way, so that we can deal with the real reasons. I don't want to change the way I do my business practices. I don't want to change the way that I uh, think about sex. I don't want to change the way that I handle my character life. I don't want to change the kind of friends that I have. That's where it really gets down to it. But behind all of that, there are some very deep questions you and I have to face in life about God and his character. And in these verses, Paul talks about the justice of God. Beginning in verse 14, that question, is God unjust? The question of God's character. He says, what then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. The question is about God's character, is God unjust? And Paul says, no, 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 God is not unjust. God is merciful. He's a God of mercy. Now, why a statement about mercy following right after a question about justice? Because we want justice with mercy. If God dealt with us only with justice, we would all be condemned. He deals with us with mercy because he's chosen to. Yesterday, we learned from Isaac some things about God's character and our spiritual heritage. We learned from Jacob and Esau that it's not by our works, but by God's will that he chooses us. And here we learn from Moses. Here we learned that it depends on God's mercy, not our merit. That God has chosen to have mercy on us is the reason we can know Christ. The truth is, it's not a wonder that some are saved and some are not. It's a wonder that anybody is saved at all. God did not have to send Jesus into this world, but He chose to. God did not have to offer us salvation, but He chose to. That is simply mercy. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. No one deserves it. But God chose it simply because of His mercy. That's a fairly easy truth, I think. As you look at that truth, I understand that. But then, Then Paul begins to talk about Pharaoh and he gets into some deep spiritual waters. From Pharaoh, we learn this truth, that even man's resistance is used in God's plan. Even man's resistance is used in God's plan. The scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. And then the Bible tells us that God hardens whom he wants to harden and he shows mercy to whom he wants to to show mercy. We begin here to get into these truths of God's sovereignty and man's choice. And the questions that people have that revolve around these verses is, does that mean that Pharaoh had no choice at all? That he had to choose to not follow God? Well, of course not. That would disavow many of the verses in the Bible where the scripture clearly tells us that God has given us a choice by, earlier in the book of Romans, by everything that he's made. He's shown us who he is and gives every one of us a choice, so we're without excuse. So these verses are not saying that Pharaoh was without a choice, it's talking instead about the choices that Pharaoh made. And as God gave Pharaoh opportunity after opportunity to choose him, Pharaoh in every opportunity chose to abandon that opportunity to trust God and instead to settle in on his own stubbornness. God hardened Pharaoh's heart and then he eventually abandoned him to his own stubbornness. It's a reminder that one of the ways that God punishes evil is to allow human beings to do exactly what they want to do. If you take a close look at Exodus chapter 7 to 14, the story from the Old Testament of God's battle with Pharaoh, or actually Pharaoh's battle with God, he's the one that lost, you see that sometimes in those passages it is Pharaoh who is the one who is hardening his heart, and other times the scripture says it is God who is hardening the heart of Pharaoh. But the fault, the choice, is with Pharaoh. The same sunlight that melts the ice can also harden the clay. And his heart was hardened because he chose against God and chose for his own stubbornness, his own selfishness, his own own self. The point of this passage is not so much about Pharaoh or Moses or the stories from the Old Testament. The point of this passage is about God and to bring out for us who God really is. God is a God of mercy. And the truth is, If God had not chosen to be merciful, apart from any choice of mine, I would not be experiencing God's mercy. If I ever get the idea in my mind that it was some choice of mine, that it was something that I did that caused God to want to, to desire to be merciful to me, I have missed out on how deeply I need the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ, but also I've missed out on how deeply God loves me. Mercy is simply given by God's choice. God has chosen to show mercy to us because of Jesus Christ. And if you've not yet accepted that mercy, you can accept that mercy because God is a God who is merciful. Now tomorrow we're going to take a look together at Romans chapter 19 to 23, continuing to look through these difficult truths of the scripture, and we're going to unwrap it just a little bit more. I'm sure you're being left with some questions right now as we've talked about Pharaoh. But as we close this time together, Let's close by thanking God once again for who he is. And that although we don't understand everything, he does. And God who understands everything and sees it all has decided to be merciful to us. Let's thank God for his mercy. Our Father, we thank you for the mercy that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. You are a merciful God. You are a God who has decided, even though you would have been within your rights, it would have been just, for us to be punished for our sins, not just individually, but as an entire human race. God, you decided instead to show us mercy, and you provided a way. You sent your Son so that we could get to know you, so that we could experience your forgiveness, and not only experience your mercy in this planet, in this earth, but also experience it all the way out into eternity. God, thank you. We do not believe we deserve your mercy. And so we are grateful. We are thankful for your mercy. Help me to live today as a person who's experienced your mercy and is grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.